Today on the show, we're talking about living on 50% of your income. Welcome to Simple Money Solutions Podcast, your path to financial independence through deliberate lifestyle choices. My name's Courtney. I'm your host of Simple Money Solutions Podcast, and I'm joined along with my co-host, Trevor. And today we're bringing you a topic around living on 50% of your income. So Trevor, I mean, the title alone, I, we haven't even delved into this episode or what we're talking to talk about today, but that sounds really extreme. Well, no question. This is radical. This is, for, for most people, this would seem insurmountable, but it's a radical thought. But our tagline is your path to financial independence. And to get to financial independence early in life, it's we're gonna it's going to require some radical actions, something that that's off the charts. That's how you're going to get there. You're not going to get there doing what everybody else does. So, I mean, I mean, probably all anyone listening to this day is probably wondering the big reason why you would do this. But before I even ask that question, I, I mean, where, when would this need to be applied in your life? Are, are, is the average Joe on the street? Is this going to work for him? Is how much money do you need to be making in order to, to make this work? I mean, there, I have so many questions around the, the viability of this. Well, there's a lot of factors. It kind of depends, like you say, how much you're earning now, what stage of life you're in, where you live. I mean, there's a lot of factors that would play a role in this. But to do something this radical, your current factors, they, they can't be status quo. You, they can't be unmovable. So whatever your current circumstances are, to get to 50% of your income, it's going to require radical change. So everybody listening to this could be, could do this without question. It's just, what are you willing to do to get there? So, and so last week we talked about how we, sometimes you do need to make really tough sacrifices in order to, to get yourself out of debt, in order to thrive financially and achieve your financial goals. But to me, this sounds like a, a like a massive sacrifice and, and, and making sacrifices while they are possible, they're sometimes not sustainable um, in this, in the sense of, of building a, a lifestyle that you can maintain. Well, I want to go back to your, your previous point. You had said, you know, who, who is this open to? This, this is going to be twofold. It's going to require, I, I go on and on about cut your spending, reduce your expenses, and, and that's been the drum I've beat for a long time. But this is also going to require you to get your income up. This, this is you being uh, entrepreneurial or aggressive on chasing money early in life to get yourself into a position where you earn a surplus. So this is not, this is a, a double-edged sword. You you need to, this is chasing money and cutting expenses. That That's how you get there for sure. But Trevor, on the podcast, we always talk about how it's easy to think that the income side of the equation is the part that we should be controlling and focused on. When in, in actuality, we always say that, Instead, we should be focusing our attention and our focus on the spending side of the equation, on the expense side of the equation. So why all of a sudden are you changing your tune and focusing on the income side of the equation? And in, in the grand scheme of things, are you are you kind of shifting your whole perspective on this? Or is this just kind of one strategy to adopt when you're trying to um, engage in wealth accumulation? Because this is such a radical concept, living on 50% income, it's going to require both sides of your equation. You, you can't do this just by cutting expenses. I mean, there, there's a limit to that. So to live on 50% of your income is going to require a decent amount of income to get there, right? So so it, it's it's a radical concept. So you're going to have to dig deeper or, or dive into both sides of your equation. So the burning question on my mind at this point, I'm sure our listeners um, listening to this is, is why would you do this? I mean, I'm sure listeners are looking around at their uh, their finances and saying, "Well, I'm 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 spending less than I earn. I'm doing okay. I, I feel comfortable. I'm saving for retirement. Why? What? What's going to push me to to make this dramatic change? What are the benefits? Why would I engage with this?" So the the why is the great question. If you have a big enough why in life, the how gets is really easy. So you need to figure out your why. Everyone's going to have a different why do I want to live on 50% of my income? Why would I want to do something so radical? 
And there's this expression that if you want something nobody else has, financial independence, then you're going to have to be willing to do something nobody else does. So no, I'm going to say, everyone listening to podcasts, I'd be hard-pressed if you could come up with three people you know that are living off 50% of their income. And when I say income, I'm saying household income, and I'm going to say household potential income. So if you have two parents and one of them is staying a stay-at-home parent, raising kids or, or, or just not working, that's 50% of your household potential income. That's you living off 50%. So yeah, I didn't necessarily say bank the other half, but that's an example of people who are living off 50% of their potential household income. So again, if you have a big enough why, the how gets really easy. But for me, the the biggest why is to achieve early financial independence. And financial independence doesn't mean now I can stop working. It means now I can make choices. I can choose when I want to work, what I want to work at, how often I want to work. You, you can all of a sudden, you, you can do things that you're passionate about rather than going to find a job that makes the math work. So the why is, is to, to take control back of your life. To, to, to know that you're doing things because you want to, not because you have to. So that's the number one reason why. And I, I can't stress this enough. The why is more important than the how. Because if you have a, if you got the why figured out, this is why I'm doing it, you will never lose motivation. You will never lose stamina if your why is super important. The second why, and this one is, I don't know if this should be the first or not, but it's to eliminate risk from your life. So if you can live off 50% of your income or potential household income, think of the risk you instantly take out of your life. You are insulated from so much financial disaster. You're, you are insulated beyond comprehension. And I, I'm speaking from experience. So my wife stayed home. I went to work. We had three kids. She stayed home and raised the kids. And she did that for 20 years. And... I knew if anything ever happened to me and my employment, my wife had very employable skills. She was very marketable. She's out working t- today. So she, she, she the, the, the moment we decided that she was going to go out to the workplace and the kids had gone off to school, uh, post-secondary school, moved away from home, she found a job instantly. So I wasn't dreaming in Technicolor that she might be marketable. Turns out she was. She's educated, so I, I was pretty certain. So... If ever anything happened to my place of employment or my job or, or anything or my health, for heaven forbid, my, my, my health fails, I knew my wife could go out and get a job at a moment's notice. So that was so comforting that, you know, to sleep at night knowing you have eliminated almost any financial disaster from your life is so empowering. So those are two big whys. And you'd be hard-pressed to find anybody who would argue with those whys. The question is, how important are those whys to you? So, I mean, a couple things to pull from this. First, what I'm understanding from the situation with you and your wife, you had this magic backup lever that you could just pull that that you kind of tucked in your back pocket that you could you could press and and at any moment to 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 make to make everything okay. Yeah, and it was, I never had to pull that lever, but it was always there. And my wife was able to keep her skills up in her field and effortlessly as it turned out it wasn't too much of a burden she kept up with new technology that came into her industry and it, it was just super comforting and 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 she would occasionally this is the other thing you if you if your if your comfort level starts to wane on your that lever of you know that second person going out and getting a job what what she would do periodically it was apply for jobs go to interviews and a couple of times she would get the job offer and then she'd say, you know what, I've thought it out and this isn't the time for me to come back to the workplace. So she would actually go out and and get interviewed for these jobs just to make sure we weren't dreaming that she was still marketable. So that's a way you can periodically test that you are still, you still have marketable skills if you've been out of the workforce for a while. And when you explain your why, it made me realize, and I want to go back to your previous statement when we first started uh, this episode on saying that uh, minimum wage earners couldn't apply this to their life. But 
I mean, uh, tell me if I'm wrong, Trevor, but I, I do strongly believe that this could be applicable still. Oh, absolutely. If, like I said, if, if you're living by yourself on minimum wage and you marry somebody or get together with somebody who, who is also living on minimum wage, you bring those two incomes together. Now, you might not be able to do 50% of that, but you might be able to do 60%, you know, less than 100 for sure, because it's not going to take twice as much money to support two people as it did one. So it, I think this is doable for everybody at some level. Well, I mean, just to bring my own personal experience into here, I, I do live with my partner now. And, um, and, but when, when I was a, a single individual living on my own, um, I was, I mean, I, I was residing with uh, my two best friends, but again, the, I was, and I was making a minimum wage job at that time. And I mean, and, and to your point, Trevor, maybe it wasn't exactly half, but I f- certainly was not living paycheck to paycheck. And the beautiful thing, beautiful thing about that is I am still young, so I, I don't have any dependents. And while that that extra maybe 50 percent or, or a little less than 50 percent, maybe even 40 to 45 percent wasn't going into any investments or anything like that, but simply just simply being saved, put aside to save, it did accumulate into um a nice emergency fund, um, and, and, and money, not for a rainy day, but, but money that I knew that if, even if I lost my minimum wage job, I could go get another minimum wage job, but be okay. And I did feel that sense of control at a very, um, minor level. So there you've, you've proved it, it can be done on minimum wage. So it, it, it this is open to everybody. And again, I, I do want to emphasize the secret to making that work is that I have no debt. And, um, I, 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 I don't have a car. I don't have, so that's kind of another big financial thing. I'm, I, I've for, I pay, I live in a city with fi- excellent financial, um, sorry, transportation, public transportation. So that, and, but again, that was designed that way. So I think, I mean, if, if you are, if you do have debt, I mean, yes, it's going to be a little bit challenging. I think that's something that is a factor at play. Well, and we did an episode last week on debt, but that, that, that's, you think that's the single biggest factor that enabled you to do that? I, I got to think there's more to it than that. I mean, if plus we compound uh, making frugal life choices and, and spending my money wisely, spending less than I earn, all of that kind of compounds. It's hard not to be passionate about doing that when you when we when we have a personal finance podcast. But um, I, I do think if, if you're busy paying off debt, that is money that's not going into savings. It's money that's that's not um, helping you. So you kind of do feel like you are living paycheck to paycheck. So did you have a really big why you were doing it? Uh, no, <laughs> I, I, I don't. And I mean, I, 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 I guess for me, I mean, I, I enjoy and I think that's it's a little odd. And maybe our listeners, maybe there's something in their life that they do and they don't have a why. I, I really pride, my, I pride myself on maintaining a, a healthful lifestyle in the sense of, of what I consume and put into my body in terms of food. And I, I haven't ran into any uh, dramatic life-altering um, health encounters that has caused that for me. And so there's no real why. And, and maybe, Trevor, you're the same in your, your sense. That you, I mean, you are aiming for early financial independence, but I have no real driving why. But I'm, I'm going to say most people, it's going to be one of two reasons you do it. And it might be at a subconscious level, but you would do something radical like live on 50% of your income for control in your life or the elimination of risk. It's one of those two. It could be both, but it's at least one of those two reasons why anybody would do anything as radical as live on 50% of their income. True. And and to your point there, maybe it's a matter of asking ourselves subconsciously what is actually driving us. Because if I were to sit here and think about it, I'm sure it would be, to your point, either of those reasons. For instance, somebody may per- pursue a very low-paying job to to get into a career field that they really, really are passionate about, and and, and that is a I'm going to call a control aspect. That's something, an element of control in their life. They want the control to choose the type of work they want to do, and in doing that, they've they've they prepared to live on on far less than their earning potential. Yes, yes, and I I agree with you for that. Their control does come out in different ways. 
Trevor, I have a question for you. I mean, you have presented this very dramatic idea. And yes, you did indicate that um that your wife you were your wife did go back to work to to um to be a part of the kind of the household income but how has this translated this philosophy translated in your life or is this something you're practicing or or how does this come into play well i'm currently living off about i'm living off of about 30 percent of our household income at the moment Wow, so you have you have cut that back even more severely, and did that happen overnight? Did you instantly go? Was that a conscious thought? I guess was. I mean, did you make any? We're gonna talk about the house in a few minutes, but did did you go from fifty to thirty, or was it? Where did you go straight to to putting aside um, that amount right from the get go? As soon as my wife went into the workforce, we instantly started saving seventy percent of our household income. And it was a conscious decision that 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 would anything else would would result in us inflating our lifestyle unnecessarily. So I really could not. I have enough comforts in my life now that I couldn't imagine adding any more comforts. So it it just would be frivolous spending in in order to consume the remaining seventy percent. I'm just I'm just in a moment of awe because you it's it, your your children have are, are have left for school you it's just you and your wife now and it's kind of a it's it's a moment where it could either go left or right left as in it, you do inflate your lifestyle use that extra money to, to 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 do things to take trips or you do exactly what you and your wife are doing and and uh, save it so i it's it's amazing because you hit that crossroad and of course you have enough of a why to to make that decision but that's that's incredible well to your point in in, in not saving 70 percent of my income it, it would have required me to start doing something i currently wasn't doing it would require me to start living a life different than i had lived up to that point and that that's what you said a lot of people will turn turn right or left they will they will inflate their lifestyle they buy the house of their dreams when they need it the least they will buy the car of their dreams when they the transportation needs have never been lower. They will go on vacations of their dreams. Maybe that's a reasonable one because it's it's not an ongoing burden on your finances. But when people become empty nesters, they tend to do the things that I guess they've been living in deprivation their whole life, and now they can. I don't feel I have been li- lived a deprived life at all financially, so this was not this was not difficult. But I'm asking our listeners to live on fifty percent of your household income. I'm living on thirty percent. So right before we skip into the how, I do have one more question, just for any of our listeners who um, maybe are supporting young children or are engaging in por- paying off their mortgage. I mean, our listeners could be looking at asking you, Trevor, but you are you're in, you're ending the near end of your life. Like you, you don't need that extra income. So when when did this philosophy start actually being adopted i mean what was what was your financial life like when you were supporting your children and and kind of in the thick of of uh, financial commitments well my wife stayed home to raise our children so i was already living on 50% of my potential household income at that point for for the 20 years we raised our three children we lived on 50% of our potential household income so to me, that's living on on 50% right, right there. I, I've been doing it for 25 years now. So uh, from, from what you're saying, and I hopefully will dive into this in the house, but I mean, it sounds like something that doesn't happen overnight and that it's been years and years and years of of, of living that lifestyle. So as we approach the house now, hopefully you can maybe shine some light onto this for our listeners who are maybe not currently living on 50% of their income, but want to slowly integrate that philosophy into their life and, and make it a reality. So let's, let's dive into the hows. Um, Trevor has compiled a list of, of eight hows to, and, and how to make living on 50% of your income happen. So before we even touch on any of the hows, Trevor, are these eight items that we're about to embark on, are these philosophies that you've actually adopted? 
Well, these are the hows that have motivated. These are the things that move the needle for me. Okay, so actually applied in your life and 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 and, and worked. So let's dive into number one. And number one is move in this direction, not too slowly. So I'd like to you to expand on the not too slowly part. Well, the not too slowly is is this is going isn't going to happen overnight. So remember, I said it's going to be increasing your income and reducing your expenses to get to this point. So increasing your income is going to be, you don't just go and ask for more money. You have to upgrade your skills. You have to bring more to the workplace to demand more money. So it's, it, it may require some education to get there. So if you become impatient, you might choose the wrong educational path. So you have to move, you have to be moving in that direction. You can't just wake up and be there. So, but if you move too slowly, you, you'll seem that you're, you're never going to get there. So you need to do this with some deliberate actions. So, and it's going to require, this isn't spreadsheet skills. This is, is changing things in your life to get there. So we, we go on and on about reducing your expenses and, and we don't need to say a whole lot more on that, but I, I do think Upgrading your income is an important part of getting to living on 50% of your, of your income is, is you need a decent income to make this easier. So if, if we're speaking to the listener, the individual who has, is, is earning a, a high figure salary or, or income and is, is not currently, uh, hasn't kind of progressively got to that point where they are, they're making more money, but not increasing their lifestyle, increasing their lifestyle and therefore um, experiencing lifestyle inflation. How can, how can you kind of draw that back? Because I, I, and correct me if I'm wrong, it must be easier to, 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 to kind of move forward as opposed to come backwards in the post of, of, of removing aspects from your lifestyle. If somebody is earning a high income, you've already solved half of the problem of, of increasing your income. Cutting your expenses, that's easy. That's just discipline. That, that is, and that is, if you have a big enough why, those will be easy things to do. Increasing your income is the challenging part. So you mentioned, in terms of increasing your income, I just want to dive into that a little bit deeper. You mentioned um, upgrading your skills. Uh, what about things like taking on um, secondary jobs or or other kind of um, side hustles? Is is that is is the, I guess this is this can probably come in and in, in many and many avenues and, and, and from many sources. Well, I I don't mind the idea of a side hustle, but it, it has to be something in your passion area. It can't be another job, right? Another another job it, it, that's not sustainable. You, you I, I don't think working you know, a job and a half or two jobs is something you can do for an extended period of time, like, like your working career. And so we're talking about living on 50% of your income, not just for a little while. We're talking, I'm talking about living on 50% of your income, period. You know, that, that's, that's the whole idea of it. It's not, this isn't just something you're going to go at for two or three years. I'm saying design this and be done with it. You know, I'm living on 50% of my income, period. So uh, working a side hustle, I don't see that as, as a sustainable thing unless your side hustle is a, a thing that it's not work. It's just fun. It's, it's passion. It's something you do if you weren't getting paid anyway. No, and that's, that's completely valid. The emphasis on creating the sustainable lifestyle. So let's move on to the second how. And your second how of how can we live on 50% of our income is to remove temptation. This could be number one. I mean, this one is important. So temptation, it comes in two forms. One is you need to get that that 50% of your income out of your immediate life. It has to be inaccessible. It has to be something that you, it, it can't be this backup thing that you can just dip into whenever. It, a good place to put it is in a tax-sheltered investment. So taking it out of that tax-sheltered investment is very painful financially. The penalties you pay tax on it. it, make it hard, make it hard to fail at this. So, and make it automatic. So this, this 50% of your income that you're not going to spend is going to be going somewhere where you don't, you can't access it with a debit card or, or any other electronic form. You have to physically go into a bank to get it. And I, it can be done because I've done it. The only way I could get 
huge sums of money out of where 70% of my income is going is to take it out in cash. I have, I've put it in a bank that I don't normally do business with. They don't like that. And they make it very difficult to get your money out of there other than uh, I actually have to pay to transfer, do wire transfer. It's just difficult to get at that money. And that's what I want. I've created it where it's, it's not, it's not an emergency fund to me because it's that inaccessible. So that's the kind of temptation you need to remove is make it hard to fail. And, And, and that is, if the money's just sitting there, trust me, you're going to spend it. It, it. We all have weak moments. And if it's there, you'll you'll figure out a reason to, to spend it. But Trevor, weak moments aside, if we want this, if, if we want one of the whys, one of your two whys badly enough, shouldn't we have the self-control and the, and the willpower not to touch that money? Or is it, or is this something beyond willpower and, and, and self-control? I'm going to say it's, you, we be, we as humans are as resourceful as necessary. So given a, a financial crisis arrives in our life and a big pool of money at my disposal, I will not be as resourceful as necessary. If, if, if my resourcefulness could just say, well, I'll just take the money out of this account and move it into this account, financial crisis solved. If that if that's an option, why would you come up with any other more complicated resourceful solution than that, right? So that's why you will make short-term sacrifices as, as a resourceful solution to a problem rather than access this money over here. Like it, it, it just, you don't want that money to be an answer to anything but early financial independence. So you're saying that the, the average person who really wants to achieve their whys, just wanting to purchase uh, it, it kind of a, just something not as, as meaningful, then nothing's going to push an individual over the edge unless something dramatic uh, such as a financial crisis arises. Like it's going to take that that um, that kind of really pivotal moving moment to, to, to feel that temptation. Like as humans, we tend to gravitate away from pain and toward pleasure. That's just how we're wired. And if a painful financial situation arises, we're going to want to do whatever we can to move away from that. And if you have this huge pool of money, just a, a debit card transaction away to solving a financial crisis, that's pain we can avoid. And, and so we will. We will do that. In fact, you, you'll be struggling to come up with a good reason not to if, if, if the money was that accessible. But if it's inaccessible, it all of a sudden, it's, that, that's not a viable option anymore. That's not, that's not a go-to. I can't, I can't say, well, let's, let's just use that money. It's just sitting there, you know, and our problem goes away. That that won't get you to early financial independence, that, that kind of thinking, that, that temptation. We all have weak moments. I do too. And, and that money's never been a solution to me. No, and that's, that's completely, completely valid. So let's move on to your third how. And your third how, or how is control of your environment. And this is a big one. So the, your environment's made up of a whole bunch of things. It, it's primarily made up of where you live. That, that's a big one. Where you live is, is the biggest part of your environment. So it's your house, it's your apartment, it's your condo, it's your neighborhood, it's the city you live in. You, a lot of people believe they're born here, right? They, this is where I'm from. You often hear that. And it isn't. This just happens to, where you, this happens to be where you are. It's not where you have to be. So if your environment is in the way of you saving 50% of your household income and achieving early financial independence, if your environment is in the way of that, change your environment. You are in control of it. It is not where you are from is different than where you currently are. They are You can separate those two. And a lot of people, they, they just, I know... But Trevor, that's so much easier said than done. It's not, though. I know people that go, that, that live in Ontario and they go, they've moved out to the oil fields in Alberta 
to because that's where the work is. That's where the the good paying jobs happened to be at the time. And I admired those people. I respected those people. They where they currently were, they were out of work. And they saw an opportunity and they went to it. You know, there's a lot of places in the world where you that doesn't exist. You you really are stuck where you are. But here in Canada, we we have mobility. We we have freedom to go and work wherever we want. And so you don't let your environment control you. You control your environment. If if the income and the cost of living don't allow you to to get to the 50% number, then change it. Find one that does. They're out there. I, I found one. I'm living proof. And I know other people that have found them. Like, this is not a, a white elephant. This exists. But if you let your environment control you, then it will. I love that. That's a fabulous, fabulous point. I want to move on to number four. And this one is really interesting. And I, I'm curious to, to hear uh, your explanation on this point. But your fourth, fourth how of how to live on 50% of your income is don't fall victim to the goldfish effect. So the goldfish effect. and there, So I'll pull out my marine biology degree <laughs> for a second. So the goldfish effect, the theory is a goldfish will grow to the size of its environment. So if you keep feeding a goldfish... It will eat and eat and grow and grow and grow till it it fills its environment and then it won't grow anymore. So that's that's the goal. And I don't even know if that's true. I'm not a marine biologist, <laughs> but but the the concept is, is is people will spend to their income. That is the goldfish effect. You will spend all the money you earn, right? And that well, why wouldn't you? It's all there to be spent, right? That's why I earned it. So. I'm saying you're don't fall victim to the goldfish effect in that don't buy into the concept that you spend all the money you earn. And we've done a bunch of shows on this and the, you know, people get an increase in pay next thing you know, they drive a fancier car, they live in a fancier home, they get another increase in pay and then they buy a, a second car and then, and so on. And, and they just keep upgrading their life. So this one's an easy one. If you have a big enough, why right again, if you want something nobody else has, you're going to have to be willing to do something else nobody else does. And so you'll be working with a bunch of people that spend all the money they earn and they, their life looks as, as lavish as that, that money will deliver. And your life will have to look somewhat half as lavish as that, right? You'll, you'll have to look like you are somewhat worse off than these people on the surface. But you are building a, a early financial independence. They are not. That's the only, so your why has to overcome that fish tank full of goldfish who are filling their, their tanks. <laughs> and I, I mean, so you've been, you've been living this, this, this living on 50% of your income for your whole life. And, and I know you just said that your why has to be super, super resonating and powerful for you to continue on this journey. But, um, I, I'm sure, I mean, or I'm sure you've had those moments where you've been tempted or maybe you haven't, maybe you're just a super, superhuman, and you haven't had those moments. But when we are, when we're not going to be the biggest goldfish we can be by consuming all our income, I mean, how do you kind of take a step back in those weak moments, reevaluate what, what's kind of your thought process to, to get you through, I guess, those weak moments that I'm sure we will all experience that at one point in our life when, when the going gets a little tough and, and we don't feel that it's sustainable? Well, I do think differently than I think most people because when I see somebody pulling in the parking lot where I work with the brand new $65,000 truck, I, I feel really bad for that person. I feel really sad that they are going to be doing this for 30, 35 years. And I know how unhappy some of these individuals are at their job or how stressed they are. And I just, I feel sad for these people. So for me, I do believe I see the world differently than most. I, I, I don't see what isn't there. And that's what most people see. They look at their life and see, they look at, see what's missing. I, I just see, for me personally, all I see is comforts in, 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 in my life that I don't even currently need but have, that I, I, I have more comforts than I could ever dream of, and I, I can't imagine having more. I, I have a, 
a warm, safe house to live in. I have a, a reliable car in the driveway. Lots of Bluetooth earbuds. <laughs> well, <laughs> everyone has a weakness, but though, you know that particular weakness is, is a pretty inexpensive one. But you know, I, you know, in saying that, all, my 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 little fetish of Bluetooth earbuds, I still save seventy percent of my household <laughs> income. So, <laughs> so that's clearly not getting in the way of my my goals. So let's move on to number five. And the fifth how to make this happen is the double-edged sword of living on 50% of your income. So this one's as much of a how as it is a why. And so if you think of living on 50% of your income, the double-edged sword becomes you, you're proving you can live on this low amount of money and in, 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 you're also saving that much as as well. And so the more you save, obviously the earlier you can retire, but the longer you live on that le- that lower amount of money, the longer I live on that, the more I realize that is the more I realize how sustainable it is and how I can do that in the future. So it means I'm going to need that much less money than most people when I retire. But I'm saving twice as much as everybody when I'm working. So it, the comfort level you get from the longer you live on 50% of your income. So while you're doing that, you're saving 50%. The longer you, you live, the, you end up making these, uh, these lifestyle adjustments that, that become permanent. They're not temporary. They, they just become, they're no longer an adjustment. It just becomes life, right? Like driving a older vehicle, uh, not having cable, like scaling back your life and be being okay with it, you 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 realize how sustainable this is, and how how it's not deprivation, and that then you're saving that fifty percent, which is just the money just starts stacking up like you wouldn't believe, and you that becomes a why on top of a how. And I I want to you you brought up within um, this point here that. It means you're that much closer to to retirement. You're that much closer to not working. And any of the listener who is saying, "But Trevor, I absolutely love my job. I see myself doing it for for many years beyond the the age of the conventional age of sixty five for retirement." I'm not really worried about this. Does it is the can you still have the why of of never your second why of you get to eliminate risk from your life. Like how, uh, what kind of motivation um, is it number two alone that will motivate people, individuals to, to, to want to, to want to do this? So that's a great question. And here's a great example of, of how having financial independence in your life, but you continue to work would play out. So when I started working, I, I had to do some business travel and that sounded very, you know, the cool factor was, was, you know, going away on business. It sounded like I was a big deal, right? I'm <laughs> staying in hotels and have expense accounts. And I thought it was something, well, you, after a while, that gets really old, right? Being in a hotel for a week on business. And I have a theory that when you're away in business, you're working for the company 24 hours a day because uh, chances are I would be doing something other than sitting in my hotel room that night if I were at home. And you're away from your family and it's, uh, it, it can be exciting sometimes, but it gets old after a while. I've done a, I've done my share fair fair share of business travel that that I don't want to do it anymore. So as my financial independence arrives, and I really just say I, I really enjoy what I do, but I don't want to quit. And boss comes up and says, "Hey, I need you to go to Montreal, or I need you to go to Edmonton." And you all of a sudden can say, "Yeah, you know what? Maybe ask the next guy. I I, I don't think I want to go this time." And not being dependent on your income, so now you're financially independent, but you still want to work, you get to call some of the shots, you know, or just say a really crappy project shows up. One of these ones that you just can't win. Like there's no, at the end of this project, you're, you're shoving a bad idea down a whole bunch of people's throats and, and the, the implementation is doomed failure. And the last thing you want is your name attached to something like that in the workplace. So all of a sudden you say, you know what? that project really not my wheelhouse, you know, <laughs> maybe you can take the next best candidate for that. And if your employer knows, like, I mean, you have to be professional about this, but you can't turn down every single crappy task that comes your way, but you can pick and choose. 
Or and, and if you take this to a stream, just say your employer becomes and asks you to do something unethical, something you don't believe in, something you you de- you believe is damaging to people. You then, as as a financial independent person, you can leave that place and and still have your conscience intact. So, yes, you can keep working, but when you're financial independent, you get to call some of the shots, maybe most of the shots. Who knows? Or maybe there's an aspect of your job you just hate, but there's the other most of it you love. Well, you can make you can say, "Hey, I'll keep working here if I don't have to do that because I can't stand doing that." And your employer might, if they value you, they may say, "Ah, okay, I can live with that." But once you become financial independent, you get to call the shots, and that's called control, and that is that is a big why for me. And 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 in that way, you can you can keep doing what you love. But like you said, with control, and I'm sure again, everything else improves uh, life satisfaction and just happiness, and it's a, it's a win all around. So Trevor, let's skip on to your sixth point. So we, you have six of eight here, um, and your sixth how of how you can live on sixty percent, fifty percent of your income is if you believe you can't, then you are correct. And this one, there's. <sighs> There's going to be a ton of people that say this can't be done. You know, they're listening to this podcast. They're going to say that you can't live on 50%. And for all the other reasons, mostly your environment, if you are not willing to make tough decisions or do radical things, if you're not willing to do that, then then you probably really don't want... You like the idea of financial independence early in life. You probably really like the concept, but you really don't want it bad enough. And, and this is, and if you don't, I, I'm not judging you. This, this is, is, this is a voluntary thing, right? But the benefits are off the charts from my point of view. But if you don't think you can do this, if you really don't think this is for you, then it probably isn't. I mean, th- this is, this is radical enough that you'd really have to want it. You really have to dig down deep and if this looks like deprivation, if this looks like um, misery, then it's probably not for you. But if you're saying, uh, there's no way I can do this, then you're probably right. And you should probably move on to some other financial strategy than, than early financial independence. So in saying that, is it it's still possible to achieve uh, financial independence without applying this, this strategy and philosophy to your life? Well, I'm going to say not early in life. Okay. You, you can become financially independent at traditional retirement age, but in order to get to early re- early financial independence, you're going to have to live off dramatically less than you earn, and you're going to have to invest the difference. And then you're going to have to sustainably live off that that lower amount or be, be willing to live off of it uh, for the rest of your life because... If you retire early, you've got more years of retirement that you have to fund than the average person, right? So you're going to have, and you had less time to to save for that retirement. So just for the math to work out, you're going to have to live off less than you earn by a dramatic amount uh, and it be sustainable for the rest of your life. So if this feels impossible... Is it actually impossible or is it because the individual hasn't found um, a riveting enough and, and enough why that they'd want to pursue it and, and, and really dedicate their life to to doing this? Like, Oh, you need a, you, you, you absolutely, your why has to be big. I mean, it has to be, your, your why has to be so overarching and it has to touch, this will touch all aspects of your life, right? So this is going to be, so overarching. I mean, there's nothing is safe here. There's no sacred ground in in living off fifty percent that you earn. There's not one aspect of your life that wouldn't be touched by this. And just just going back to that, I mean, if if I'm listening to this podcast right now and and this idea sounds absolutely crazy and I couldn't imagine um, doing this, I, I would say that. Erin, would you agree with me that maybe? this is so this is possible for everyone but that maybe your why just hasn't come around yet i mean maybe having a family and that why becomes clear maybe maybe you get an increase in pay and and you realize that 
your why is that I, d- I don't need to use the rest of this money. Do you think your you should always kind of keep that that potential why tucked away and keep asking yourself that? I mean, if it doesn't work for you today, it might work for you tomorrow. That why may may, may become transparent. You know, here's a, a thing that so when when I started working, when I got out of post secondary education, I started in the working world. I believed I could have did that job for 30 years. I, I, I didn't see any reason why I would stop, right? I, I didn't see it at all. But my at the time I started working, my father was trying to start uh, his own business. And I kept wondering to myself, why doesn't he just go to work? Work is so much easier than starting your own business. I mean, there's all this risk and, and all this, you know, uh, stress. Why, why would you want to start your own business? Why not just go to work? It's so easy. But to young people out there, don't fool yourself thinking you could do something that you can tolerate for 30 years. It it is not, again, tolerate is the key thing. Finding something you can tolerate and thinking you can do it for 30 years and come out the other end okay, it's it's a challenge. It's a struggle. And that's where people start consuming things they don't really need to sort of give themselves a reason that it gives them a reason of why they're tolerating this nonsense. It's so I can pay for my expensive house and so I can pay for my expensive car. You end up needing a reason why you're tolerating this insanity uh, for 30 years. So if you don't have a big enough, why go talk to somebody who's been doing something for 30 years and, and you know, they didn't like it or they're, they were miserable doing it and ask them what they would do differently. You know, so again, you're looking for somebody, you're not looking for a success, a person that was successful. You're looking for somebody who is possibly miserable and you want to tap into that person and say, you know, what was it like? You know, what do, why did you do this for 30 years? Why did you grind out something you didn't like doing for 30 years? If you don't have a big enough why, find that person and ask them why they did it. And, and they probably will, won't even come up with a coherent reason why they, they, they tolerated a miserable job for 30 years because they don't have a reason. They, they, and take something from that and say, I don't want to be that person. Make that your, your early why in life until maybe a bigger why shows up. So I, I really love that because I, in, in, a lot, in a lot in life, we, we, we'd like something tangible that we can we can reach on to and 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 to your point there we want we purchased that house and we need to pay for that house that's our why why we're why we're in the job that we're in why we're why we're striving to to um achieve a larger income but when that when you when we create a why that actually resonates a lot deeper that a lot within our core with that's not as tangible and, and again harder to maybe realize that's when the benefits really come to fruition actually for a younger person the the the, the early why could be to insulate yourself from the risks of life. That might be the better why for a young person because early financial independence just seems too far away. So insulation from financial risk might be a better why for someone entering the workforce. But I know a lot of young people, you know, if you come out of college, university, the, the school, they, they pump you up and they, they say, you know, okay, you're ready, world, come and get me, right? That That's the kind of mentality they, they, they send you off in graduation Oh, for with. sure. And, and you don't feel like you're, there's any financial risk out there with that man, mindset, right? You feel like, you know, this is going to be easy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just get a job, start making money. But it, you, will soon, you soon learn once you get in the workforce and maybe uh, this is a big one, Go, going through a recession. So it, we haven't had one for 10 years in, in, our, in our economy and going through a recession, you all of a sudden you see just how vulnerable you can be. And, and so if there's two people working in a family, statistically, I like the chances of both of you not losing your job. But I mean, it could happen. But if one of you has lost your job, think of the insulation you have from financial disaster, right? But, so I, I guess maybe young people, once they see a recession and they see how damaging it can be financially to people, that then maybe... Uh, being insulated from financial risk is a big enough why to live on 50% of your income that that might be an early in life one. And once you've been working for 15 or 20 years, uh, if early retirement isn't 
front and center on your mind, on your mind, and it, it, you 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 dislike what you do for a living, then you need to really think about it. So your second last um, how, and it's one that we talk about all the time here on the podcast, but it's inaction in itself is an action. Yeah. So not making a decision, not deciding to live on 50% of your income is, is a decision to live on a hundred percent of your income or, or, or vice versa. So you, it's not like you're consciously, you're saying, okay, I'm going to wait to decide whether I'm going to live, live on 50% of my income until I'm 30. Well, you then you've decided you are going to live on 100% of your income if you're spending all you earn right now. So you, you've, you're, your inactions are actions in themselves. So, so I'm saying you're making a decision anyway. So, so make the right decision. Make the decision to live on 50% of your income because you're already making a decision when you don't. You're either spending the money or you're not spending the money. So it's a decision either way. So don't, don't let, by doing nothing, don't let you fool yourself that, that you've, you haven't decided yet because you already have by, by spending the money. And that's a reoccurring theme throughout personal finance is that you have to take your, your own action in order to achieve the financial outcome that you want to achieve for yourself. You can't sit back and, and expect things to work out for you because it's easy to, because when we do do that, debt accumulates. We 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 don't achieve our goals. So, I think that's something that I mean. We say we'll say it once, and we say it all the time. But really, really taking action and, and owning your decisions and finding that why, like we're talking about, is the key to 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 achieving this. You know, we keep going back to the why, and you need to come up with a solid why you're doing this because otherwise. It, <laughs> there's there's zero motivation zero incentive to why would you why would you want to not live like the rest of society if you need a reason to not right because it's in front of you all the time that that's what we've defined as normal $65,000 trucks that's normal you need to you need a why to not be normal right you you, you need to, it's crazy but when i go to work i need to explain why I'm not driving a really fancy new car. <laughs> People literally ask me, you know, why you chose. I, I recently replaced my 12-year-old car with a, um, a, a it's, it's new to me, but it's still an older car. And, and people saw it. And the first thing they said is, why? <laughs> why did you buy such an old car? Right? Like, I, people, I, I'm thinking people have a feel for how much I, you know, I, the level of job I have at work would suggest I should have a, a, a new car. So it's crazy that I have to explain why I don't drive a insanely expensive truck with monster <laughs> tires. Like, and I actually, you know, I, I knew this when I drove my new old car to work and I was <laughs> crazy. I was trying to come up with reason, you know, how am I going to answer these questions, <laughs> right? Because I knew they were coming. And then I decided, I, I'm not going to answer these questions. This is crazy. I, I, that's the car I want, you know, period. But I, I almost had to be apologetic for not having, you know, tires that are chest high <laughs> on a fancy truck. It's and it, you're right to, to go back to our original point. We have to we're doing we have to do things that other people aren't doing. So, Trevor, your final how in your list is if you're. If you are in your 50s, you've already done this for uh, 25 years ago. So so what does this point mean for, for living on 50% of your income? So in, in when you go to out in the workforce, you start out at, at a entry-level wage. I, I'm going to give you the prototypical person's evolution in their financial life. So they go out and get an entry-level job in their career path, and they work their way up. They get a few promotions, a few pay increases, and over the course of 25 or 30 years, your, your, your earnings have increased dramatically. You know, if you've followed a, a, a semi-common career path. And I'm going to say, I know for me, I, I'm already living off of more inflation-adjusted dollars at 30% of my household income than I was when I was in my 20s. So... And I, I, I'm not a corporate ladder climber or anything like that. I mean, I just moved along. 
at a plotting rate in a, in a corporation. Educated myself, upgraded my skills along the way a little bit. And so I, what I'm saying is, so I started working and living, me and my wife, on, on, a, on a household income of X amount of dollars. Our income grew, our, our family grew, uh, we, we had more expenses and, and, and life moved on and gobbled up some of that increased income. And then I became an empty nester. So there's no reason I couldn't go back to living at the same level before my family, right? So I go back 25 years ago. I obviously survived at those inflation adjusted dollars 25 years ago. Why can't I do that now? What's in my way? Why can't... like? I, I actually, I survived and prospered, you know, from 20 to, to 50. Why can't I, it's not like I'm, I'm asking myself to do something I've never done, I guess is what I'm saying. It's not like I've never, ever have done this before. In fact, I'm going to say when you become an empty nester, if you've played out your cards right, listen to our podcast, you know, 15 year mortgage, used cars, you may have the lowest cost base in your financial life ever. Once you become an empty nester, that, that, that theoretically, you know, if you have no mortgage, no car payment, no debts of any kind, no kids to support as an empty nester, your cost base theoretically should be at its lowest point in your existence. You, you have no more, uh, things in life. You know, you have all the furnishings you need. You, you, you have, uh, all, probably all the comforts of life you'll ever want or need that you've already accumulated over the, your lifetime. And so if you just keep adding to that, yeah, your cost base, your, your lifestyle cost base is going to go up. But if theoretically in your mid to late fifties, your cost base could and should be the lowest it will ever be in your working life. No, and that's a phenomenal point. I'm glad you brought that up because like you're saying, the, those big purchases, um, are, you you don't really need to make them. You've already kind of been there, done that. The the home, the car, the the supporting your children through through whatever they're they're going through. You you've done that. It's behind you, and it's kind of that sigh of relief that you can confidently go down to living on fifty percent of your in- income or less, and know that nothing's gonna really come out and surprise you in, in the terms of 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 any heavy financial investment. But you know, through all those phases of life, I, you know, I lived off 50% of my potential household income through the, my child raising years as my wife stayed home to raise our kids. Again, I, this is a story I lived, we lived in the city, found out we had twins. I, I if I would have stayed there, that, that, that would have not played out. My environment had to change. I changed my environment. And Rather than sitting there and say, this can't be done and be right, I changed my environment and said, this can be done and, and did it. And I, I don't think I did anything miraculous. I haven't had an overly exceptional income over my working career, nor has my wife. We have just lived modest, comfortable lifestyles over our whole life and plan to do that into our early retirement. And it, I guess this is so easy. This is so doable and the people that reject it, I talk to people a lot about this, and the people that reject it without even giving like two minutes of thought, it is just mind-boggling. If somebody approached me and said, hey, you think you could live off 50% of income, it would at least spark an interest in a conversation. Oh, for sure, because it's it, it, it's it's you've seen how much it has made a difference in your life, how to set you and your wife ahead, how you have achieved your, you, you've accomplished your whys, you're, you're on your way to accomplishing your whys. And, and it, it's, it's, it's been nothing but, but successful maintaining this lifestyle for you. So uh, Trevor, that brings us to the end of your list on eight hows for uh, how to live on 50% of your income based on your whys. Um, we'll have this list for anyone listening in our show notes. You can refer back to it and 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 really kind of delve into it and and think about on your own what your whys are. And we like to, we'd love to hear from you about if there's a why in your life that's that's pushing you to to live on 50% of your income or or pushing you to uh, to, to to spend less than you earn and 
and, and, and drive you forward and, and how you accomplish that. So we, we'd love to, um, to hear from you. You can always do that by reaching out to us through our contact submission form at livelifesimple.ca or our email, livelifesimple365 at gmail.com. So Trevor, before we end the show, I mean, we have your eight whys here and your two, your eight hows and your two whys. Is there any final thoughts that you'd like to share with us before we end the show? This is worth repeating. If you want something nobody else has, you're going to have to be willing to do something nobody else does. And on that note, thank you so much for being here with us this week as we talked about living on 50% of your income or even less. Thank you so much for being here with us this week. And we can't wait to have you back with us next week with a brand new episode. Until then, keep it simple. Simple.